Hey everybody, welcome to Comics! Comics! Uh, with uh, Michael Raven Shadow and Ron Forti. I am Ron, that's Michael over there. Uh, we are going to basically, I don't want to say tear down, but we're going to go in-depth on some of the classic stories that have been told in the world of comic books. Uh, and we're, we're going to start the first episode, our pilot as it were, uh, we're going to start with 2004's Brad Meltzer uh, penned Rags Morales penciled uh, Identity Crisis, which is kind of a, a hot button um, issue uh, for some people. I don't know why. There's a lot of people who don't like it, but whatever. Uh, but we'll get into that in just a minute. First, Michael, how how are you doing? How's your uh, how's your week been? Or your weekend? I know you were uh, watching the full gear. It's true. It's true um yeah weeks starting off terrible uh, aside from this but uh but no it was nice uh, i hadn't seen a um a pay-per-view um again it's my first aew pay-per-view that i've seen um so far it was, it was i thought it was great you know it was i thought it started off strong but then the minute it got to like the six-man street fight and then the uh the inner circle versus America's top team, those were kind of like because everything just went to hell with the weapons and all the other bullshit. I didn't care. Didn't care about Ty Conti and uh Britt Baker. Um and I thought it ended weak. Agreed. I mean agree. I mean, overall, I mean it's definitely better than um well let's say it. it's better than some WWE pay-per-views I've seen. Um for now, just wait till Vince gets his house in order and then he's gonna spank him. Just wait. Just wait. He will. He will. Uh, my brother, the intern, is in the chat right now. He is a big fan of Identity Crisis, so I'm sure he can't wait right. to hear what we what we have to say. Uh, and he doesn't read much in the way of comics, but he's a big Green Arrow fan. Loves Oliver oh. Queen. So couldn't stand the TV show though. It's a struggle that when when that came out, uh, I am a big Oliver Queen mark. Uh, my, my dog is named Oliver um, for that go. reason. Um. Always liked them. Was my one of my favorite uh, DC superpowers action figures back in the day, um, and I, I actually liked his portrayal on Smallville. And depending on how the show goes on, uh, I always bring everything back to to Smallville. But I really enjoyed the take on 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 that show. And then when it ended, and there was that like gluttony of um, of superhero shows, I I, I struggle with Arrow. Cause I think they were using the same sets as like, like that's, isn't that Luther's mansion? And, but apparently I stopped watching it in season one. Then it really got good. Um, well, I, definitely... he seemed more like Batman to me because they couldn't do a Batman show, like a proper Batman show. So they did arrow and they turned Ollie all like, Urgh. see, that's, I've heard that criticism too. Um, but I, I struggle with that a bit too, because I mean, Ron, I think as you know, uh, Green Arrow did have the Arrow Cave. Yes. He had an Arrow car. He had an Arrow signal. Um, he had he an Arrow junkie as a sidekick. <laughs> yes, which to be fair, he up Bruce on that one. Yes. Um, I no, your parents like... aren't dead. You're going to be high on smack. <laughs> <laughs> which arguably is one of the greatest covers of all time. Oh yeah, hundred percent. A junkie. You know. You know what's funny is I actually. I was at a con that Neil Adams was at, and he had a print of that cover of Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Um, and just for a print that he would sign, he wanted like 150 bucks. Really? He is, I'm, I'll say it now, he's kind of a dick. 
I mean, granted, he did a lot for uh, Siegel and Schuster and helped them get, you know, notoriety, you know, notoriety for Superman and everything. But he's kind of a dick. I've, I've heard some of that, too. I mean, I, I love I mean, Neil Adams. Um, for me, he's the one that should be credited with giving, you know, making Batman post 66. I know right. uh, Miller gets a lot of credit and a lot of that is 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 justified. Not all of it. But I think, you know, when folks, when, when Adams was doing Brave and the Bold and, you know, fans were like, no, the real Batman is in, is in that book, you know, right. and, and as an artist, um, uh, I, I adore, I adore Neil Adams. Oh, he's, he, and, but that's the weird thing is like people can be, are a lot of like the most talented people are the biggest dicks. It's, it's true. Um, I can't do the story justice, but there's a, a, a longtime shopper um, at, at the store I work at that did have an issue where he got a, he, he actually bought some, some Neil Adams artwork, but Neil, um, Neil had some issues with, with it and not that he attained it in a negative way. I know Neil had an issue with some artwork being stolen. Um, this person didn't do that, but there was definitely an issue. And I've heard some not so um, quite uh, positive interactions um, with Neil and this friend of mine. That's unfortunate, but um, let's get to it. You know, let's 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 just break the walls down, as Chris Jericho would say. Nice. And uh, and let's talk about the two thousand. Let me find it. I actually have something cool here. Uh, let's talk about the two thousand and four identity crisis. There's a cover for the trade paperback. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know we talked about spoilers, and I think we'll get into it as we get into it. And if it ha- comes out, it comes out. So this is a warning. If you have not read identity crisis, we will probably drop big. We're not going to go out of our way to spoil it, but things are going to come up in conversation. Um, if you know, if you don't know about blank blank being the killer, then, and I just happened to drop their name playing the program pronoun game. Um, <laughs> then, uh, Oh, well, but, uh, how did you first get introduced to Identity Crisis? Were you there from like the beginning with the issues, or did you come? Were you in there later with uh, the trade? No, for me it was all it was all front lines, man. Um, it, it, it I was I was heavily into I was steadily reading um, regularly in those days, and I was getting those single issues. Um, and it just uh, my my love for comics is not only you know the big two, but it goes down from you know Marvel DC. Uh, Dark Horse, Comico, uh, Malibu, Image, First, Epic. Oh, so Malibu. <laughs> I I'm not saying I loved it. I loved it. I'm just saying I read it. You know what I'm right. saying? Um, but uh, no, it was definitely in my heyday. And I was just such a fan of the the DCU post-crisis, really all the way until like probably Brightest Day era. Okay. So not only did it have, you know, all my, you know, favorite characters i thought this series too um did a really masterful job of weaving in not only past continuity um what was going on at the current moment um and it gave you little easter eggs so if you were a fan from you know back in the day you would get the references if you were a casual reader i think it would be great first exposure and anybody in the middle um was along for a fucking ride man Oh yeah, I mean it's it, the thing about it was is for me I wasn't I was kind of in between like I had a couple of the issues but I was behind on things so I never read them so I ended up just getting the trade and reading that. Yep. And uh, 
I think the only issue of it I still have is one with Wonder Woman on the cover. Yeah. Or yep. Lasso. Lasso. Yeah. Yep. And so, but this book changed everything before they rebooted DC, the DC universe. This is like, because of what happens with Batman, it changed, it, it screwed everything up. I mean, and I don't want to say screwed everything up, but I mean, no. like, he be, like Batman's a paranoid character to begin with, but after what happened to him in this book happened, he became even more paranoid. And we ended up getting Brother Eye, and all that led to Infinite Crisis. And then Infinite Crisis led to Final Crisis, which for my money is some hot fucking garbage. But that's unreadable. Yeah, a Final Crisis is just horrible. Um, but I also d- think that Grant Morrison's a little overrated sometimes. Um, like his run on action comics, he should not have been writing a Superman book. It's, it's funny about Grant Morrison because he is a batshit crazy Scotsman, and I'm pretty sure sure he's been locked in a wizard duel with Alan Moore since like probably um, 1998. Um, but he has such a love for like the, the Silver Age and the 50s stuff, um, and he puts his weird twist on it. But there's some times with him, I'm like, dude, I don't get it. I don't, I don't get the love of Batmite. I don't, I don't get, I don't get some of this stuff, dude. No, I don't. Uh, I remember there was um, one book that my brother loved in Final Crisis. It was a tie-in, and in turn, if you want to type what it was in the chat, it had something to do with the villains about how um, the villains uh, all agree. Like I think it was Flash's Rogues Gallery, and they agreed that we don't kill. And um, yeah, I forget his name. My brother will pop it in the chat. Um, but he killed, so they had to kill. Like, and he killed Impulse. So they had to like they killed him, and then they like went to Barry's statue, and they're like, "Look, now we're even," you know, type of thing, uh, which I thought was kind of cool. But as a whole, Final Crisis was garbage. Um, but identity, let's get the identity crisis. Holy crap! So it starts off with uh, Ralph Denby, elongated man, out on a patrol. Yep. And then he finds out that his wife was murdered, and it just sets all these things into motion. Um, I mean, it brings, it brings so many characters together that you wouldn't even think about like at one. And it's got that iconic panel where green arrow is stabbing Deathstroke in the eye with an arrow, uh, which is just like so good. It's it, well, so much too. I mean, when, when DC obviously has a thing about crisis, right. Uh-huh. Um, and, and like we said, um, you mentioned final crisis all the way to infinite earths. They're always larger in scope. They're wide, epic, you know, events. Um, this really took it, really took it down to earth in a way. Um, and maybe it was the the writer, you know, Brad Messler, who who isn't um, a comic book writer. He was a novelist, right? I believe he was. Didn't he? Was he a roommate with Judd Winnick? He I might have been. Well, any. Well, I mean, as long as he wasn't on the the uh, the real world, the real world, yeah. Um, but. Obviously, he had a love for the medium. He did a bunch of like I'm not saying knockoff um, Da Vinci Code books, but a lot of a lot of histories and secrets. He was you may know him from A and E Decoded. I think the show was with Brad Metzler. Um, but he had a love of of comics. I think it shows. And well, he actually helped save the uh, Siegel and Schuster house in Ohio. Did he really? Yeah, because I think they were going to tear it down, and he like turned it into a landmark, or so got it got it turned into a landmark, which it kind of is. 
You know, everybody can. There are people who can shit on Superman all they want, but if it wasn't for Superman, you wouldn't have all the characters you have now. Agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, you can you can think that he's corny and that he's a big Boy Scout, which I think is part of the charm of his character. Um, but uh, you wouldn't have Batman. You wouldn't have Wonder Woman. You wouldn't. I mean, you wouldn't even have the X Men or anything like that if there was no Superman. He was the first. He was the best, and there is no topping the Man of Steel. And I will f- die on that hill. I don't. I don't disagree. Um... But once again, I actually I am an elongated man fan. Um, I, I, I truly am. That's something like, I haven't heard anybody ever in life <laughs> say. I'm a fan of Ralph Dinby. I am. I like when his nose twitches. I like, and I love, I love um, the involvement that Tim and his wife Sue had in the JLI era, um, where she was brought in as, as a supporting cast. I like when his nose twitches when he smells a mystery. Um, but it's even said in the. It's odd to read now the Joss Whedon uh, intro where if you were not a fan of the elongated man, because really nobody was aside from me and maybe Gardner Fox. But um, by the end of that first issue, if you didn't love him, you goddamn had you had some emotional connection to him. Right, exactly. And you felt so bad for him at the end of that first issue, like that sequence with him holding her. And like the tears just coming down his face. It's like his entire world had been taken away from him in one fail swoop. Because it was. I mean, as he's on patrol with a very obscure character, Nighthawk, they're looking for some weapons and there's, you know, there's some machinations going on, day in the life of um of a superhero. Right. But the backstory is basically his wife Sue, who just wanted him out the house because she's planning his birthday party. And he's a detective. And they make a running gag where, you know, she always does his birthday early, um, you know, brings in his friends to think he won't figure it out. But he always knows that he always knows what she's going to give him for a present. And it's just part of their love. And there's a great line where, um, you know, uh, Flame Night flame hawk night who is she <laughs> she's, i don't remember she uh, she's inconsequential to the end of the story uh, essentially firehawk talks about you know their relationship and like well you know and she's hung out with meaning ralph's wife yeah has been there in front of superman you know flash hawkman with his big hairy chest but overall she chose the elongated man and and once again fuck harley and the joker the best relationships are like Morticia and Gomez, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, you know, true romance, um, and probably Ralph and Sue um, yeah. are some of the greatest romances in 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 comics. I'd throw Reed, Reed and Sue in Reed. there, maybe. Yeah, that's because uh, if you think about it, that was the first like that's the first family in comics is the Fantastic Four. It was, but then there was she always got real, you know. You know, fishy, fishy water wings and Namor periodically. Oh, there—that's a whole other thing. Don't get me started on that because there's that book out now. You might have seen it at your shop, Fantastic Four: Life Story. And yeah, yeah, it's a total retelling of their history and everything, but it's not super drawn out. You know, it's like each issue is a decade. Um, and okay. um, I mean, I don't want to spoil anything because this is still a new thing. Um, but it—they change a bunch of stuff in it and they make it more relatable and the, the i've actually interviewed the writer before mark russell he did the uh exit stage left the snagglepuss comic about him uh being gay 
and uh, uh, that that whole thing and his son having to take over and all this other kind of shit. But it was it's set in the fifties when actors couldn't be gay, right, openly right. gay, you know. And uh, it was great stuff, great stuff. Mark Russell's great, and uh, it's good to see Marvel. I mean, well, granted, you know, Snagglepuss is a DC thing, but it was, uh, um, you know, it is what it is. But uh, let's see, we got a comment here. Uh, says, I would rate Ralph and Sue above Lois and Clark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 I would. Yeah. You know, I mean, granted, I would, I would, I, I, I think their love is fantastic, but I would much prefer uh, what's going on in the bed between John Constantine and Zatanna. <laughs> I'm sure that's some freaky magic shit. Oh, man. Oh, man. The safe words, Alakazam. <laughs> Oh, baby, say it backwards. Oh, geez. I'm not Mr. Mixoplectic. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, yeah, no, this book, and it's like, you you get that all in the first issue. Right. You know, you get everything in the first issue, and you don't, and, and, and that's where Meltzer, I think, being a novelist comes into play. You know, you got to build everything up right away, and yep. then get smacked with the real nasty nasty stuff you know and and for for it being a big crossover book that has such an impact on the dcu going forward it's not very superman heavy no i mean he knows what's going on because he heard them talking about it you know if he if, if superman's in the same room with you you better be doing you know you better be doing some als because there ain't no but he probably knows that too um because he's gonna be able to hear you if, even if you whisper and that was so. That was so great. I think his role maybe wasn't pivotal, uh, pivotal, but it still had the impact. And I loved the feature they would do when they would introduce characters, and they would give their relationship. Right. You know, uh, Nightwing and Starfire, former lovers. You know, right. um, you know that kind of thing. Or, you know, it just you if you just knew these characters maybe tangentially from a a TV show or a comic you read once or twice you got everything you needed from some of these interactions right exactly and it's it's just and then to, to like a lot of it is, um as you go along in the book a lot of it is sins of the father uh even if it's um if it's indirectly like i know barry was kind of like a father figure to wally but hal was in no way a father figure to kyle but he was like he's the hal jordan is and i will argue this to the I'm out of breath. He's the benchmark for Green Lanterns. At the and, end I of would, the day. and I would agree. And um, I do want to explore a little bit about that. Um, um, and just so as we're talking to, um, we find out as the story progresses, there's a league within a league. Right. Um, and it definitely caters to legacy characters, which I think is something DC does probably the best um, in the business. Right. Um, so, right, you have Barry being, and this is the time when Barry was dead and right. Hal was dead. Or Hal was Spectre, also Spectre at this point. Yeah. Um, all the Queen had come back to life after the Kevin Smith run. So, a lot of the original, the big seven of the league had either died or were starting to come back. Um, and to your point, as, as Wally is like the nephew of, of, of Barry Allen, but also he has some of his uncle in him. And that's where, where Hal comes into play. You know, I, I still maintain that Hal would be Wally's uncle 
just right. like Clark is is Grayson's uncle too. Right. You know, and, and well, I, think I also think that Ollie would be his uncle too because it's like the, those three were like they were like the main league within a league. Right. Barry, Hal, and Ollie, and um, the fact that they're that Barry and and Hal aren't there in the book to kind of pay for their sins as it were mm. it's it's visited upon wally and kyle even though they had nothing to do with it and that's a very interesting take as well where you inherit your mentors or or, or before heroes you know suits and mantle you know and yeah. comic rules you you inherit their villains as well um and you also maybe inherit their their seat at the table right um but right as as things go this essentially is a murder mystery where, where it's total noir. the wife of a justice leaguer is 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 viciously murdered um and we haven't even mentioned the secret that ralph probably couldn't figure out um yeah the one thing he never could have figured out you know which just really after the death of his wife who he adores there's one secret that she was saving for him and that's just a fucking gut punch yeah um a gut punch amongst a scene that is already like you, you know. feel you feel so bad for him, and then you find out what the I think that was what the real birthday present was. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. You know, um, and it just knowing it's like oh my god, that's just, ah, uh, it's just oh man, it's just so. It's just chill. It yeah, it's such a, and that's why, like, I was looking, I was doing a little bit of research on it, and apparently it was, um, the miniseries was selected by the Young Adult Library Services Association as 2007's recommended, uh, recommended list of great graphic novels for teens. So, hey teens, how are you? Here's a book about rape and murder and cover-ups and conspiracies and people getting an arrow in the eye. <laughs> And Doctor Light uh, stopping, you know, he's he's not a milk toast anymore, and he tries to murder everyone. So I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely a thing. So not only does this this horrible tragedy amongst you know the the main event team in the DC universe, um, but also characters who are who have been in working relationships and friends for years, um, and everyone's coming together. Basically, no one gives a rat's about fighting Starro or any other villain every hero in the city is trying to find out who took out one of their own and they make a point to say that sue is one of us you know right, it's exactly. on the watchtower um in fact she got in more rooms than lois ever did um she was around more than any other i'm saying supporting character but i'm saying that with air quotes sue was part of the league right um, and every hero you know a Here's the thing, too. There's a very popular question that comes up in the story is who benefits? Who benefits from the heroes being at home with their loved ones? You know what I mean? Not being out on patrol. What's the motivation? And this is where the book ties in a lot of stuff. Um, let's face it, the casual reader might not know that um, divorce did happen, in, in, especially in the 80s. And the Adam, Ray Palmer and his wife um, did get divorced. And that was a huge run of the of a series that Adam had in the um, 
in the early 90s. And she was really mean to him because she was a lawyer and dated some other dude and, and took all his patents. Um, Fucking bitch. <laughs> you know, and things happen. But but they bring in that element to it. So you have all of these capes, tights, dudes in wings and power rings. Um, but yet you had very real human emotions going right. on. And this is the realest, I think, that DC has ever gotten. Um, with the exception of Heroes in Crisis, which I know you're still reading. Yeah, yeah, I gotta, I gotta jump on that. Um, it is... Tom King, I swear to God, is like the... <sighs> he's the current GOAT. Um, I have not read anything he's done that's bad. Um, the only reason I, I'm not reading... I mean, I'm buying the issues to support Tom, but I'm not reading Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, not because the story's bad, but because the art is fucking atrocious. And I can't stand to look at it. Which is rough. Yeah, and that's uh, that's why I think Tom should do everything he does with Mitch Gerads, um, because his Miracle Man run, or, uh, not Miracle Man, Mr. Miracle run, I keep, I always get them confused, but one of them doesn't have uh, the rape of a minor. Um, you know, um, and destroying all of London, uh, but their run on that and then Sheriff of Babylon was fantastic. And, um, uh, but it's just like, I think who did, who does the art for Heroes in Crisis? I think it's Clayman. Clayman. Yeah. Yeah. Does yeah, the yeah. art for Heroes in Crisis. And it's just very beautiful, clean style. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, um, I have, I'm really behind on it, but, uh, Tom King and Mitch Gerads are doing, uh, with Doc Shaner who's fantastic. He captures that silver age style so well. Um, they did, um, strange adventures about, uh, Adam strange. And, oh yes, yes. yeah. Mitch would do the page about what's going on with Adam now. And then in the flashback, it would doc would do the stuff. So it was a very cool back and forth. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this seems like something Tom would have done. Um, and they don't seem to, and it's weird that they allowed Brad Meltzer. I mean, do we want to get into what Dr. Light did and why the, the heroes, some of the heroes immediately thought it was him that did it? I, I think we might have to. And so basically as, um, if you let me, Ron. Um, Go right ahead. So we, we suddenly have a night on patrol ends horribly. One of their own is dead. So they cut to the funeral scene. And then once the funeral's over, and they make a point to say they do it in costume to make a point of saying, well, otherwise the paparazzi would be there and that kind of stuff. But immediately from, from the funeral, then it goes into autopsy mode. Uh, we find out that um, since the death of Superman and later the death of all the queen, that the heroes got organized and they have these, these protocols in place to make sure if shit goes down, you know, they can mobilize to find a threat that hurts them. And they even cite that every hero's apartment or house comes equipped with Thanagari and Kryptonian, you know, new gods, technology. How the fuck did this person get in? So after the funeral, the heroes are, you know, going, you know, doing leads. They figure out the powers. Okay, well, she was burned. Maybe it's X, Y, and Z. So the Titans will go somewhere after somebody. And they all split off to find the suspects. But there's that small, like we said before, league within a league that stays behind and they figure out well the last page is ralph did me saying bring me dr light i want dr light and they're like what the fuck 
Why would you want him? What the hell has he done? He's nothing. And for those who read Titans, especially George Perez, somewhere in the 80s, Dr. Light went from being a JLA villain to a Titans villain. Um, uh, he had the one, the Fearsome Five, which I was a mark for. But he was always a goof. Basically, he went from being a main, air quotes, main event villain to someone they threw to the sidekicks to fight. Why is that? Hmm. Well, they tell you in this book. I guess now, do we have to, do we just say that it was something bad or do we, I mean, I guess, you know what? I'll say it. So that way, if anybody complains about it, I'm the one who spoiled it. Basically, <laughs> Dr. Light found a way onto the watchtower. And oh, satellite. The satellite. Satellite. Yeah, it was a satellite. And all the heroes were gone. But guess who was still there? Sue Dinby. So Dr. Light, Mr. Badass, went on there and he brutally raped Sue Dinby. And the heroes show up at, at the at the would you call it the last second? I mean It was the way I mean, keep in mind the way the scene was done too. And we, we have got to mention the amazing art of Rags Morales. Yes. Um, and the inks by Michael. I have the book in front of me. I'm going to say his last name wrong. Uh, Michael Bear. That's why they're always the, the people with the weird names are the ones where they always the inkers because we never have to mention them. Right, right. Who? <laughs> um, and I, I remember when Rex Morales showed up on the Black Condor reboot. Um, but his art upped its gangster. And and we talked about Neil Adams about drawing emotions and pain. Um, at least I thought about him drawing pain. I, I can always think of that cover of him holding Robin. Um, just, you know, tears in his eyes and right. um, the emotions of this. But um, they conveyed the scene where Dr. Light showed up and they made a comment. We don't know what he was looking for. He didn't find the league, but he found Sue. And it's like he took all this frustration out on this on this character. And what really kills you in that scene, it's done. It's done. It's as, not gratuitous. No, as, as not as gratuitous, but you know what's going on. And that comment where all she wanted to do was look at the stars. Yep. And the way her point of view is from the stars. And you're like, holy shit. Then the league shows up. And Hawkman comes out the door first. <laughs> and that motherfucker hits before he asks questions. Right. And so after this happens, the league, the league throws a little bit of a boot party on fucking Dr. Light. But then, because they, but here's the thing, is like, at, right away, um, they decide to mind wipe him. Or they throw a vote, and they mind wipe him. Right. Um, as, so he doesn't remember that, who, you know, what, what he did, or how he got to, that he was at the satellite, or anything like that. And this happened before, mind you, when, I forget the name of the, the, the team, they switched bodies with the Justice League. And they took all everybody took their masks off. I forget who who it was, but they did that before, and they had Zatanna do it. Um, but what you know, every, and we think everything's fine at that point. But then later in the book, Captain Detective Mister Mister Batman, you find out shows up at the had left before they they mind wiped Doctor Light. He comes back as they're doing it, and they have to restrain him and mind wipe him. And then he lost his shit when he found out. He That's where Brother I comes from. That's where everything gets set up for Infinite Crisis, for Final Crisis, for um, my uh, 
my menstrual crisis, everything. <laughs> well, that's what's the thing too. Um, so you have this within a league when you're going to keep hearing that a lot, where the team is divided. What it's right. it's Barry, Hal, Ollie, Diana, uh, Hawkman, and Zatanna. Right. And, and and part of it is like, all right, well, we don't want anyone to fucking know about this. Um, they bring suit to the hospital, but they don't want this guy fucking running amok. Um, in prison saying shit and he makes a line he's like oh my date with sue did me and what do you do in that motion you know um i yes. crack his fucking skull i wouldn't worry about a. I would agree i would be part of a different type of vote if yeah. that was um, how about we don't how about we don't mind wipe him how about we just slice his fucking head off and throw him into space open the airlock and see yep. what happens um i'd be part of a di- I think you and i'd be part of a different team uh, on that one Ron. yeah we'd be a league within a league within a league <laughs> but right and that's a great they do that so well they hide that fucking pop so well where we think it's the you know everybody but the 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 trinity is involved in this um but that's a great revelation as the series goes on and then we were we're kind of skipping over the fact that the person who committed this heinous act um Oh, see, I'm, I'm trying not to spoil it, but they also went after the Adam's wife. <clears throat> uh, yeah, they also went after the Adam's wife and they also went after Jack Drake, Tim Drake's uh, Robin number three's dad. But, but they, they left him a gun and a note. And so he was supposed to defend himself. But him and uh, Digger Harkness, Captain Cold, or Boomerang, Boomerang, Boomerang. Um, both ended up dying because of it. And now Tim Drake is, a, is an orphan. So that's the thing, too. And for those who don't know that time, um, you know, Tim Drake did have his parents. Um, his mother was killed in the early um, Jim Aparo, um, Chuck Dixon, Norm Brayfogle era. But he still had, had his dad, and he kept that secret from him in his ongoing book. And let's just also, too, talk about probably not since the death of Superman has this book caused or, or created more plots in other, in other storylines, in other right. books. Um, you know, you had you know, all the heroes really take a night off and spend time with their family. So, so Tim was with his dad, uh, Jack. Um, Ray Palmer and oh my god I'm forgetting your name Gene Loring Gene Loring you know well maybe they were going to rekindle their marriage you know they were going to stay just be protect each other I'm biting my tongue tongue so much right now (laughs) but you get all these small stories um, right you know amongst but while all the heroes are working in this very tactical manner Clark flies home to his parents you know, um, and I, I can't get enough. And I, I can't help but say how the lack of Jonathan and Martha Kent in the current continuity is just is very is very sad that Clark not as, Superman's not as grounded without them. Agreed. You know? And and then I don't know if you've heard the news, but they're talking about killing Kal El again um, because he's currently on War World with the Authority. Uh, and they are take trying to, to d- dispo d- depose yeah depose is the right word Mongol. So Jonathan Kent has taken over as Superman on Earth. 
Yeah. And everybody's losing their shit because he's into dudes and chicks. It's like who cares? It's not Sue, it's not Cal L. Right, right. Although I do understand why Alan Scott ended up being gay because his weakness is wood. <laughs> I mean You know what? When you're around people who are the most perfection of of human or alien, you know, just party, man. Just party. All right, everybody, we're going to do some uppers, some downers, some tweakers, yeah. some X. And then yeah. uh, after that, we're going to go after, uh, we're going to go after Starro. And <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, okay, yeah, so who's, uh, okay, good. All right, Hal, <laughs> all right, Hal, maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah, no, maybe you shouldn't, Hal. Hal is the Captain Kirk of Green Lanterns. He um, really is. That dude, he, man, and, and he's got, and he's an alcoholic. Do you remember when uh, they re, they, yeah, yeah. His, his origin, and he had to learn how to be a green air a green lantern from Sinestro while he's in doing thirty days for drunk driving. Yeah, it was the uh, Mark Bright era. Uh, I think Jared Jones era with the em Emerald um, Emerald Dawn Emerald yes. Dawn. It was yes, and that's, it was that's that was right before everything started up with uh, him. Uh, um, uh, the whole final night thing, or not oh, even final was... night, just Emerald Twilight. Which uh, and for for my money, if I could find a poster of it, I would be up in my 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 house right now. Uh, is Hal with all the rings? And it's, oh, like yeah. ring, it's such a cool cover. He's such a and then you know what? And and we'll get it maybe at some point we'll get into zero hour. But I love how nobody could stop him, but an arrow to his chest, which didn't really do anything from Ollie, showing that Ollie was like. Look, if I have to kill you, try to kill you to stop you, I will. And that broke Hal's heart. That's what stopped him. You know what I mean? The fact that Ollie was like, I'm willing to kill you. So he's like, well, how far have I gone? And I think it was it was less. I mean, we were jumping ahead, but that was yeah. less of the actual act of it as it was the. The, the metaphor for it. Yeah. Like, it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And um, but yeah, oh man, so we get to the point where now Batman is comforting Tim Drake because he's uh, now an orphan. Um, oh, that, that panel, the way that was done. Oh my god, um, I just reread it. Such a heartbreaking fucking. The whole book is a fucking heartbreak. Because you turn that page, it basically, you know, Dick and uh, I'm sorry, Tim and Bruce are trying to get back to him to get there in the race in time, and the way the panels are done, and it just shows. It just shows, um, you know what? Maybe this should be in the Scholastic uh, book, you know, the, the fucking spinner rack for a Scholastic book fair. Um, maybe. I mean, hey, let the five-year-olds read it. Why not? <laughs> but just the pacing of it. The pacing where these these pages, these pictures on pages, um, not picture pages, um, but uh, <laughs> you just feel the, the tension. And then that panel, that, that, that single-page splash of just Batman and Robin, orphans. You know, waterworks. Yeah, it's, I mean, but then I guess at this point we might as well, we're not going to get into who did it. Okay, interesting. Uh, but we'll talk about, uh, see, we kind of have to. Uh, as it goes, this is seven issues. Right. Um, there was no, there was no real, there was no tie-in until after the fact. So right. it wasn't like you had to read parts, you know, the 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 Tim Drake and Batman stuff and Batman five hundred and whatever the fuck 
and then right. come back for this. It was all self-contained. Um, right. But as it goes, not only do not only uh, supporting cast members die, but I would I'm gonna say main event hero in one particular place. I enjoy this character quite a bit. Yeah, uh, no, uh, that's uh, that's a big spoiler. Um, so we should avoid that. But I'm uh, I'm a fan of that character as well. Um, and I was happy to see that they were being uh, taken seriously on the CW for a little while. I don't know if they're still yeah. there or not. Um, but yeah, it's um, oh man. And then see, it's really hard to talk about the ending of this without spoiling it because it's we have. OK, you know what? Like before, I'll spoil it because that way no one can be mad at, at, at you. <laughs> How can anybody be mad at Jesus? Um, <laughs> so, all right. So all this is going on. Um, uh, Dr. Light has, has regained his, his memory. He hires yep. Deathstroke to protect himself, to protect him. Deathstroke takes out the league, but ends up getting an arrow in the eye, courtesy of Ollie. And then eventually we find out who's behind it. Well, and... there's the great, there's the great, I don't want to say redhead, but the reveal, the reveal, because yeah, well, the, all how this... he, how it was discovered that this was the person behind it. Because while this is all going on, you get Doctor uh, Midnight, uh, the newer one from JSA, Peter, um, and Doctor and Mister Terrific. We're doing an autopsy. Who's one of my favorite characters? I, I love Mister Terrific. He has a he has a huge part to play in Strange Adventures. So interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, well, you figure Adam Strange is kind of an older character, so he would, uh, you know. Um, uh, so, oh boy. So they find out essentially that she didn't die from the burns. She right. died from somebody essentially walking on her brain. And right, because. Uh, yeah, the only person who could have done that is someone with access to Ray Palmer tech. And they know Ray wouldn't do it. So they were now they're investigating who could have done this, who could have gotten a hold of Palmer Tech and walked on on Sue Dinby's brain. And then Ray and Jean are together and she mentions something that they have been keeping a secret. Batman made sure to keep it a secret. And that's the letter that was written to Jack Drake. Right about your your life is in danger you have xyz amount of time here's a gun batman hid that note from the cops he hid it from everybody only like people who are in the league knew and then gene loring mentions it and at that moment you can almost see on ray's face his whole he just his heart drops into his stomach because just, he knew. just take it back a little bit though um once there's the reveal, because it's, it's it's the same note that's given to to Clark to his parents, right? Where there's the oh uh, yeah, they blame they they threaten Lois too. They threaten Lois, and they made a point why it's why Tim went out that night. He's like you know, his dad, his dad's like you know son, don't go. He's like listen, and he's like you know my dad knows my secret, but I can't ruin Clark's secret. Like I can't tell you who it is, but it's a fucking big one. Um, and then this is going and then on. We'll end up with the whole injustice bullshit if something happened to Lois. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, but the reveal, they were too, because the, the burns didn't make sense 
to kill right. it because it was all like surface burns. It wasn't like they opened the autopsy to her. They weren't like third degree burns or anything. Right. She wasn't like charcoal, uh, you know, shit like that. But when those tiny footprints are shown for a minute, and once again, I read these single issues, um, they weren't doing anything with the Right. And they did the panel so beautiful where obviously Ray Palmer and Gene Loring are going to have some sexy time. And there's a look on hey. on Ray's face where he's like, yeah. And now, with the information that you know, did Ray step on fucking Sue's fucking brain? Yeah. No, it's, no, he's just having bedroom eyes. You know, he's wanting to get, you know. He wanted to get, he wanted to, to, to walk inside Sue's little man in the boat. <laughs> right. It wasn't allowed jeans, not Sue's. I mean, the only person who's allowed in, who, the only person who's allowed the little man in the boat and Sue Dinby is Ralph. That's true. Well, stretching powers. <laughs> Honey, I'm, I'm I'm in the bathroom right now. Okay, 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 stretch. Yeah, yeah. I want stretching powers and a healing factor. That's what I want. Um, there you go. But um, right, you think like, did the fucking Adam do this? Right. Holy shit! You know. Before we get into it, let me, real quick here, uh, did Identity Crisis win any awards? Uh, the only thing that happened with that is that it was named as the young adult thing that I mentioned before. That's it. Uh, and on Metacritic, it, it's it's listed as a seven point three out of ten, but it's gotten so much hate from people. Well, really, I mean, if I can say anything, on the back of this trade, Spin Magazine said, uh, you know, mystery novelist Brad Messler shows that even superheroes have reason to be afraid. New York Post said, if it's been ages since you read a superhero comic, start with this one. Uh, Washington Post. Morales, muscular, naturalism, renders the players both timelessly iconic and believably human. Um, refreshing. These are very human characters in a very risky business. Entertainment Weekly. Well, and that's the thing. is A lot of the people who were involved in this were street-level heroes. Um, Flat, uh, Hal and, and Barry, or Kyle and Wally, have been involved in like interdimensional bullshit, but at the end of the day, they're street-level heroes. Right. With with with, and 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 uh, Kyle doesn't even have powers. It's a ring, and he only got the ring because he was the only one that Gantha could find. <laughs> and you know what that got him? That got his that got him his girlfriend cut up in his fucking refrigerator. That's what it got him. See, I, I love Kyle so much. See, um, I'm a Hal guy through and through. We've had this discussion. Just... You know, <laughs> well, you know, I'm a Hal guy. I am a Hal guy. I I, I totally am. Um, I love Hal. He's my first Green Lantern. Um, the Superpowers action figure, the chin, the hair. Um, I love everything about Hal. I did. I, I am a mark for Kyle. I am. See, my brother is a big Kyle fan, but that's because that's you know it's it's all about generational, and yeah. you know he didn't read anything until like. And I remember. I don't know if you remember this, but there was that crossover um, with Ollie and Kyle. And yeah. the entire time, Ollie is like baiting him and just like oh, yeah. jabbing at him about how you're not as good as Hal. You're no Hal Jordan and all this stuff. And I'm loving it. I'm loving <laughs> it. I'm like, beat his, beat his little ass. Fuck him up, Ollie. You know, what the hell with this young buck? You don't know what's what. <laughs> well, it was even great too when like Elongated Man will be with Wally. And like, even the villains, his rogues would be like, that's not how Barry did it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they would. <laughs> exactly. And now, I mean, you got. I'm not going to spoil Heroes in Crisis for you. 
Um, but there's a whole thing where there's like two or three different flashes now, and it's uh, it's a whole thing. But Heroes in Crisis is fantastic. Definitely check it out. But so, yeah, we find out Jean Loring's behind it all. And the reason she was behind it all is she just wanted to get back together with Ray. She felt it would bring them closer together. Didn't want to do it, but she knew she knew that Sue was having. Oh, by the way, it was a birthday party. It was that night. Yeah. Um, Yet she shows up. You know, I only want to step on her a little bit, but she shrunk down weapons just in case things went wrong. No, you went in there to kill her. Don't don't give me that. And then she and then at the end, uh, Ray disappears. He vanishes, uh, which I think you would. Uh, and uh, Gene Loring is in uh, Arkham. Yep. And Batman is more paranoid than ever. He creates Brother Eye. And that starts the whole bunch of bullshit. I actually, I liked uh, Infinite Crisis too. Um, uh, but then like, you know, the leading to Final Crisis, but the whole was just like, no, just no, no. it was, it was just terrible. Yeah. But the, but the, but the, the reverberations, that's the right word, carried through at the end. After, when the series ended, um, Wally, because Wally was, once again, I know people love the CW show. Wally West is my favorite Flash, and he kept the lights on for the Flash for for years. While Barry was, was off doing Barry things. Yeah, it was the first when he fucking well, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, but um, we'll get into that eventually. Wally was the Flash for decades. He was the Flash in the Jason Mark Wade run was fucking amazing. Oh. And the reason why people think that Wall- that Barry that Flash is a jokester is because of Wally in the JLU cartoon. Barry's a big dull dud. He's a great hero. Don't get me wrong. He's boring as shit. Boring as shit. Um, but that led into, in the Jeff Johns run, Wally dealing with finding out his mentor, his hero, had feet of clay. Um, this also caused the end of the JLA series that Grant Morrison started. That um, I do believe Brett Metzler started the next version of that might have. I think so. Because um, they have Michael Turner covers as well. Um, which are fantastic looking covers. Fantastic. Rest in peace. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, so we're losing, this, we're losing too many people that are only a little bit older than us. And that's not cool. <laughs> like we lost, um, uh, uh, Steve Dillon. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, Garth Ennis's, uh, 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 right hand man. His, yeah. His, co-conspirator his... on preacher and I'll all that him. stuff. And, and, but now you, you see, um, I don't know if you've seen it in the shop you work at soul plumber. Yeah, that's uh. There's a podcast called The Last Podcast on the Left. It's about true crime and shit like that. And the people who do that wrote that comic. And John McRae is doing the art. And they're like, "Wow, the same guy." And I'm I can say this comic n- name to you, and you'll be the only person I know of that remembers it. Hitman. Hitman. Yeah. Tommy Monahan, dude. Tommy I Monahan. fucking love that book. Love my favorite Hitman moment. And this is a good way to end the episode. My favorite Hitman moment is when they are recruiting new people for the JLA and he goes up to the watchtower and they're like, yeah, you probably aren't going to make these like, that's okay. I just wanted to look at Wonder Woman with my x-ray vision. Yeah. So yeah. So real quick, Tommy Monahan was a character that sprung out of uh, a really shitty storyline called bloodlines. Oh, um, so bad. But he was a, a hitman, hitman um, that 
basically these aliens, these kind of Geiger looking aliens would either kill you or if they didn't kill you, they get powers. So as a result, he had x-ray vision. And tele- uh, he was tel- uh, telepath. Telepathic. Yeah. So it was one of those great, you know, uh, uh, what do you call that roll call? Membership drive issues they do so all great. the time. It's after and Superman so, came back and he had uh, the lightning powers. Yeah, he was uh, Superman Blue, which that was fun. Yeah. Which, yeah. Um, but they would have a scene in the Watchtower, everyone saying what they do. And he's like, I'm Tommy Monahan. I have x-ray vision and kill people for money. Um, he walks out the door. Um, and I love it. He goes, uh, so, oh, what happened? He's like, don't mention money. They hate that. Um, but he's like, yeah, the only reason I came to stare at Wonder Woman's boobs. Um, it was the 90s. It was a different time. I still love that book, though. I don't care. Oh, but I just went to look it up, right? And to see if there's any kind of collection. There's a couple. Hitman. And there's little collections. But for instance, uh, volume one, A Rage in Arkham, you can get it for 10 bucks on Kindle, which seems fair. But if you want it on paperback, it's $77. Uh, Volume five, Tommy's Heroes, almost $100 for a paperback. No. Yep. Because they reissued those. They were larger. They were were smaller. And they've been doing um, like two trades in one. Unless they're Ace, out of of Kill- Ace of Killers is the only one that is like is like fourteen bucks. Really? Yeah. Like, okay, there's a what's this? Hitman's Greatest Hits. That's twenty five bucks. That's book eight of eight. I don't know if that's just like his like literally his greatest hits, or if it's just the final installment. But my one of my other favorite Tommy Monahan moments is when it's in the first couple issues of the book. Batman's chasing after Joker. Yep. Tommy, there's a hit put out on Joker, and Tommy's the guy who's got the contract, and he's going to kill Joker. Batman stops him by punching him in the stomach right after Tommy got done eating some really spicy Indian, Indian curry. Food. And he puked all over Batman's boots. And it was so great just to show, like, look, Batman can beat the shit out of anybody he wants, but there's got to be some kind of consequences with bodily fluid if you hit somebody <laughs> hard enough. The panel is great because they both look down. And they realize what happened, and he just like gives them. It literally gives them like a like an Alice to the Moon thing from the honeymoon. It's just like uppercut. Um, <laughs> Fucking hit is so good. That and when Kyle uh, shows up in Gotham, yes. and uh, and like Tommy and all his buddies, they're all assassins. They have a bar they hang out in. Tommy buys the first round, and he goes to Kyle. He's like, "All right, we get the next one." He's like, "Uh, well, there's really not any." place for a wallet in this suit and the whole bar gets pissed off that he doesn't have cash to buy the round. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's how it would probably be in real life. You know, don't, right, don't, right. Uh, don't agree to, don't agree to, to drink with people. If you can't pick up a round, I guess is the, is the moral of that story. But now would you rec, I, I'm, I'm assuming you would recommend people read identity crisis if they haven't or reread it if they have. And it's been a while. I would say yes to both, man. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's something that, stayed with me when I read it um, in the single issue form. Um, I really don't say flopsies, single issues. Um, I got this trade. We're old where, and we don't read, we didn't pick up graphic novels unless we missed, we couldn't, can't get our hands on the single issues. Right, right. There were a handful of ones that, you know, it wasn't like it was. What it is today is not like it was back in the day. Um, right. But I reread it last night, man. And it's still in 2021, I still get the same gut punch. As I did back in two thousand four, man. 
exactly. It's uh, it's just a damn, 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 damn. But I definitely I concur with that statement. Uh, pick it up if you haven't. Uh, you can get the. Uh, in fact, let me look here real quick because I was looking at the at the uh, um, absolute identity crisis came out in October of 2011. It's 85 bucks, but I think you get a lot of. It's 288 pages, which is like three times the size of the actual trade. Um, mm. But you get a lot of cool stuff with it. Um, plus, I mean, it's it's stunning artwork, a fabulous story. Just get, 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 get to a library. If you can't afford it, I'm sure a library will have it. A hundred percent too. And not only did it carry out in some of the series I mentioned too, but DC also did a weekly event called 52, um, oh. which, um, which I enjoyed. I enjoyed 52. They really, they did take some of these concepts and this wasn't a one and done thing. This had this had consequences for the DC universe, really up until up until the new Fifty Two. Um, yeah. This was something that couldn't be ignored, um, and and I highly recommend it. So once again, there are a lot of there's a lot of new folks coming to the shops nowadays. That's awesome. Oh yeah, I love it. I love it. I mean, I, I haven't been able to hang out because of everything going on at the shop, you know. But I go to, but I at least try to get there once a week to get my. To get your pull. That's another thing is reserve single issues at your local shops. It's the thing that keeps them going. I mean, not everybody's midtown, you know. Right. Uh, uh, so go to your local shops, reserve books with your with your with your 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 local nerd, and uh, as Matt Fraction puts it. Um, and to be and to be fair too, like um, yes, I know Ron and I are on the maybe on the I'm definitely me on the wrong side of a certain um, of a certain age. But the whole waiting for the trade thing, I get it. If it's an X-Men book or a Batman book, okay, fine. Batman doesn't really need our help. But they don't make the trades unless you buy the single issues. Right. Uh, and, and so, yeah, to Ron's point, um, you know, our shop is very lucky. We are thriving, um, even in a post-pandemic. But a lot of shops aren't so lucky. So um, definitely, if you dig it, buy it, you know, buy the single issues. It shows that you're interested in. And luckily, not only that, but when you end up buying the trade, it, it usually comes with extra stuff. Right, you right. Know? So it's like it's like seeing the movie in the theater and then buying the Blu-ray and it has all the bonus features on it. Or even though the box, the box set. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. Like, you know, box set of a DVD. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. You know. It's uh, it's fantastic. Now, I know we talked a little bit about the... I don't know when we're going to do the next episode, but there's another one coming. Um, but I'm wondering, did you want to do that Darwin cookbook we talked about? I'm down jumping on that, baby. All right. So next time we are live, I'm not sure when, because my work schedule is all wonky and we got to talk about when we want to do it and you know, that kind of thing. But we are going to talk about the Darwin cook penciled and, and, and written new frontier, which, uh, I think we also have to talk about the animated movie at the same time because, uh, it, one really goes with the other, um, but uh, yeah, so that's going to wrap everything up. Don't forget to go to your local shops and uh, support them because why the fuck not? And uh, I, we will see you guys next time. Oh, where can everybody find you? Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So if you like um, <clears throat> any of the nonsense that I spoke uh, about tonight, uh, my name is Michael Ravenshadow. I'm a co-host on Trick or Treat Radio. We do a podcast. We're uh, on our 10th year. 
Um, it's a horror-themed podcast. Every week we discuss at least one film. Um, we discuss and discuss comics, pop culture, wrestling. Um, the best press uh, we had gotten, in my mind, were the uh, Howard Stern meets the Nerdist. Uh, so it's the current roster is myself, uh, along with Johnny Wolfenstein, Producer Supreme, Aries God of War, and uh, Monster Zero. So the uh, the live show drops on all on YouTube on uh, Thursday nights around eight o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time, and the audio drops on Stitcher and all the platforms on Friday morning. So uh, so check go. us out. Fantastic. All right, everybody. We'll see you next time when we talk about the Darwin <laughs> Cookbook. <laughs> Darwin Cookbook. Uh, <laughs> New Frontier. And we'll talk about the animated movie as well. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.